Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. You know, some people will automatically get their loan forgiveness and some people will have to apply for their forgiveness. About 8 million or so borrowers will automatically get the loan forgiveness because the Department of Education already has all your data and they know you qualify. However, I'm telling everyone, I don't care if you think you're going to get automatic loan forgiveness or don't think you're going to get automatic loan forgiveness, cover your bases and you got to go and fill out the application. So the application will be released on studentaid.gov. They're allegedly saying it's going to happen by the end of October. However, a lot of lawsuits and stuff are challenging this and it kind of keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. 
So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. As a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long, and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. Isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers. LinkedIn Ads allows you to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach your customers in a respectful environment. You'll have direct access to 875 million members, 180 million senior-level executives, and 10 million C-level executives. You'll be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B. And you'll work with a partner who respects the B2B world you operate in. LinkedIn Ads is also ranked number one for security, community, and ad experience as part of the Business Insider's Digital Trust Study. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash advertise to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash advertise. Terms and conditions apply. President Biden and the U.S. Department of Education, they made an announcement, in case you've been living under a rock a few months ago, that federal student loans were eligible for up to $10,000 or $20,000 in student loan forgiveness by the end of 2022. You're probably wondering the same thing I am. Yeah. Okay. I need to know all the details. Well, in this super timely episode, I chat with student loan expert Robert Farrington from The College Investor all about the details you need to know. We cover who is eligible, who is not for forgiveness, how you can find out whether you qualify in the first place, the important dates to know, as well as lots of other important student loan details like consolidation and just general money tips for 2023. So listen to this episode, text this episode to all your friends ASAP and get prepared for an interesting few months. Let's start talking. Okay, we have a lot to talk about, and I told you before I hit the record button that I'm just going to represent everyone listening because I know there are a lot of confusion and questions, and I think a lot of the, the student loan forgiveness stuff, it just feels either somewhat unbelievable that it's actually going to happen, um, and in the other hand, it feels like, um, I, you know, it's just so confusing. I've heard from so many listeners, they're just like, we don't know what to do. We don't know when to do it. We don't want to miss everything. So, you know, we know that President Biden, the U.S. Department of Education, they made an announcement a few months ago that federal student loans could be eligible for up to 10000 20000 in some cases. I want to get some clarification on that. It's student loan forgiveness. So before we dive into all the must-knows and the dates, Robert, you've got your ear to the ground on this. I'm just, I want to hear your side of things. Like, is this a good idea? Uh, well, what do you mean by a good idea? So there's a lot of ways to slice that question. I think um, for the borrowers that are getting relief, this is a great idea and it can really help a lot of people. Um, and we can't ever dismiss those individual stories and the individuals that are going to benefit from this. Um, it, it's very helpful, right? Um on the flip side, is it good idea from a public higher education policy standpoint? Um, I think that's kind of mixed. I think uh, it doesn't really solve any of the problems that we're seeing in the higher education system. It doesn't fix the student loan debt crisis. Um, right now, there are you know another $90 billion in student loans that just went out for the kids that started school this fall. Wow. And so what are we doing? Like, we're not changing anything. Right. We're not fixing anything. So again, I think it's it's a mixed bag, right? And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to approach that. Is it good question? Right. Well, I was hoping that you would kind of answer it from those differing perspectives, because, 
you know, I've heard from a lot of people who have, let's say, paid off their loans, like pre COVID, but let's say, you know, 2019, 2018, and they're just sitting around like maybe a little bit peeved sure. that, you know, this is this is happening now. And so I think there's just a lot of there are a lot of opinions, right? And and we live in a very sort of opinionated world at this time and, and people have strong feelings about this. And I was I did an episode kind of right when this came out, just like a quick little episode to kind of let people know what was happening. And of course, as always, there was a lot of pushback from a lot of a lot of sides. And I just feel like no matter how this is done, you're right. There are just there's so many different emotions. Yeah. And I think, you know what, like, I think everyone as Americans, like we could never begrudge the individual receiving the benefit, right? Like we all owe it to ourselves to get as much free money from the government as legally allowed. And we should never give the government any extra money ever. Like we should live by those (laughs) rules as Americans. So like, to me, that's the framework I kind of operate in. And so like, look, if you qualify for this, I'm going to help you find your money, get your money, like, let's do it. But, you know, if we avoid the individual situation, and we go to like the higher education policy perspective, it really, this is terrible public policy. Um, It's very political. It doesn't fix any root cause. It's not even attempting. That's the other joke. It's not even like we're trying to fix a root cause of why we're in the student loan debt crisis or anything. And it's not fixing higher education costs. It's not preventing students from borrowing in the future. It's doing nothing, nothing to the situation. So like that's, that's the more puzzling part to me about the whole thing. It does feel a lot like a political handout versus something that's trying to fix or reform the higher education student loan system. And not to get down a whole tangent in that direction, but do you see anything that could come along that could actually change the situation or are we just going to keep repeating this pattern? Well, I mean, that's the thing. We The only way we're going to break the cycle is really to start cracking down on the rising prices of higher education. And the hard part is, is that there's no great ways to do it. It either involves more public funding, it involves caps on borrowing, it involves holding schools accountable. But when you start doing the latter two of caps on borrowing and holding schools accountable, you'll inevitably inevitably get school closures, which could also prevent kids from going to college that we should. So you might actually marginalize other people, right? And so you're really getting into tough choices. But um, I really think we need to start holding these higher education institutions accountable. Um, And I think that an easy way to do that would be to really start instituting a lot of caps on the amount that students can borrow and also eliminate or allow bankruptcy for private student loans because then you combo it. Because what happens is if you cap on the federal side, well, people will go borrow privately, right? Well, if all of a sudden all these loans can be discharged in bankruptcy, they won't be giving you that money. And so you really can start putting pressure on these higher education institutions to lower their prices, make it affordable, because people won't be able to come up with the funds to pay for it. All right. So how do we elect you in office to make this change? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, here's the thing. We can be armchair politicians all day long. But again, we live in this 
you know, special interest world where these colleges have a lot of money and the loan servicers yes. have a lot of money. And so it's very tough to start enacting these changes. Even watching simple changes try to go through is like painful because you see this and somehow we allow these special interests to have a seat at the table. I was watching um, things like even implementing, you know, these new payment plans that you might have heard a little about and we might talk about it. It's like, you know, for some reason, the for-profit colleges get a seat at the table to discuss this as like they are somehow like a stakeholder in the situation. And it kind of drives me nuts that we even allow that to happen. Right. It feels like everything that has to do with money, right? There are like deep layers of an onion. 100%. Yeah, you peel them back. It just, the problem gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it comes to the point where it's like, where's the where's the solution could there even be a solution right and that's where it's like i think you know this ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars in blanket loan forgiveness is an attempt um but i think it really isn't the greatest attempt and i think it could have been done a lot better um you know even today as we're seeing this like they're having to change so much of it it was so rushed that they're trying to do anything they can to get it to happen and like I mean, it might not even happen, sadly. Uh, I think the the odds are good, so let's we can start there. But like, I think just by this way it's even approached is so poorly done that it it opens it up to not be even well executed. Interesting. So, were you like, were you surprised when this kind of came together, or did you see this kind of coming down the pipeline? No, frankly, I was surprised. I think um, they definitely you know, push this as a, a rushed thing, um, you know, probably to capitalize on some politics there. Um, because there's ways that they could have gone about this in a much more elegant approach that probably would have avoided legal challenges and, you know, happened better. But it would have taken time and, you know, changing some regulations and things that he could have done without Congress. Um, but on the same token, um, it probably would have been better implemented, better executed, you know, more robust, and even had the potential to start fixing things long term. But I don't know. So I'm, I'm very shocked it's happening in the way it's happening. All right, we digress. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the specifics. And before we get into the super specifics, I know we're talking about federal student loans. So right there, we're, we're excluding those private student loans. But are you know as with everything right there are going to be some people that are excluded from this so tell us like who is not who is not eligible for this forgiveness so the only people that are eligible are federal direct student loan holders and so direct student loans are basically all federal loans that were originated after 2010 right so if you've had a student loan that you got from the department of education since 2010 you probably have a direct student loan Um, however there are other federal loans like ffel loans or perkins loans and those ffel loans are the old ones they're the ones that you got before 2010 and sadly there's still about seven million or so borrowers in the United States that have them. They shouldn't have them. And we can dive into that because they they had a lot of opportunities and lifeboats sent to them to consolidate and get direct loans. Um, and I'm really frustrated that the Department of Education didn't help people in that situation more. But you know, here we are. Um, but they are excluded from the current loan forgiveness. Uh, so it's only direct holders because The direct loans, as the name entails, are directly owned by the U.S. government. And as a result of them being directly owned, they can roll out these things like 
loan forgiveness. So the next question that comes to mind is, how do you even know what type of loan you actually have? Definitely. So there's two ways to go about it. First off, if you know you have federal student loans to start with, you could go to studentaid.gov and you log in and there's a little button in the top right there that says my aid and you can click it and it's like a little dashboard and it shows all your student loans. It actually will show if you got a Pell Grant too, which is useful to know how much loan forgiveness you're getting, but it'll show all your student aid right there and you can see and if it says direct you're good to go. And if it says FFEL, you're not good to go. So that's how you can check. If you're at a point where you're like, I don't even know if I have federal loans. Well, you can also go to your credit report and you can pull your credit report for free at annualcreditreport.com. And that's like your full listing of every kind of loan you have, right? You'll have your credit cards, you'll have all your stuff there, but it'll also have your student loans and it'll at least tell you where to look. It might not list if you have a direct loan or an FFEL loan, but it'll say like what lender has has it. If it says the Department of Education, then you can know to go to studentaid.gov. But if it says another lender, you could go to their website, create an account or call them and you can figure out what loans you have. So let's say that you have one of those FFEL loans from prior to what was that date you said? Prior to 2010, mostly to even 2010. 20, 2007 or so, but like 2010 was like the drop dead date. So is there anything you can do now if you figure out like, oh, crap, I actually have one of those loans? You know, sadly, I mean, there might be some things you want to do. So you can always consolidate these loans into a direct loan. However, you miss the window to do that to qualify for Biden's 10000 or 20000 of blanket loan forgiveness. However, you still may want to consolidate these to direct loans. For example, there is another forgiveness program that's happening right now called the PSLF waiver, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Waiver. Um, Again, the only way you would have qualified for public service loan forgiveness is if you had a direct loan. But until October 31st of 2022, you can consolidate those old FFEL loans and all of your old payments that you made on the wrong loan type will qualify you for public service loan forgiveness. So again, you might want to still consolidate. And then finally, this is the hypothetical, but finally, is that all future loan forgiveness any type of programs, they're only going to work for direct loans, guys. So if you still have an FFEL loan, you might want to do some math and see, but you might still want to consolidate. If you're still looking at 10 years of repayment, you know, you say it might just be worth it to consolidate. It doesn't cost you anything. Why people are very resistant to consolidating their um, FFEL loans is because uh, it changes, it, 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 it changes the weighted average of your interest rate, but it because it rounds it up to like the nearest 0.25%. So theoretically, you could like pay like the tiniest fraction more in interest, uh, which is a silly reason not to. But hey, you know, things like that do hold people back. The other thing that it used to do was it used to reset your payment counts for uh, loan forgiveness. Um, But now with all these waivers and stuff, they're exempting all those issues. So there's really very rare reasons to still hold on to those FFEL loans. And don't you think there's just a fear to, I mean, people already, you know, if we're going to talk about money, there's a fear around money. There's certainly a fear around student loans and however much you owe. So 
I, I don't know if you see this, but I would imagine there's a fear around just even the idea of going in and changing the payment plan that you're on. 100%. I mean, I always say student loans are like literally the, um, you know, they're the, the crossroads of everything we dislike in America. It is debt. It is dealing with the government. It's probably dealing with your taxes. Um, you know, all these things that like we do not like to discuss and deal with, like student loans are the intersection of them. So yes, there's a lot of fear. But I will say that going to studentaid.gov um, makes it very easy. So I know a lot of people also have a fear of dealing with their their loan servicer, right? You see all these scary stories of getting misinformation or they, they call their loan servicer and like they get led down a wrong path. Well, the great thing is the government has taken a lot of steps to fix that, and you can do everything self-service on studentaid.gov. So if you want to change your repayment plan, you can go to studentaid.gov. You don't even have to talk to your loan servicers anymore. If you want to <laughs> consolidate your loans, you can do it at studentaid.gov because um, the government has like realized that these are call centers, and it can happen to anyone. Like You call your loan servicer, and you're going to get you potentially like an 18-year-old making minimum wage that doesn't know what he's talking about, potentially giving you information. And granted, we hope they're trained and we hope they give you the right information, but they've really built a lot of self-service options. So you theoretically could deal with your whole student loan and never speak to a representative, which I think is fantastic. Yes, I, I like that option. I'm always one that clicks the, the chat button. <laughs> um, so let's, before we dive into like all the dates and the kind of nuanced bit, tell us the difference between those that are going to get the 10,000 and those that are going to get the 20,000. Right. So you've heard that Biden is doing a one-time forgiveness of 10,000 or $20,000. So borrowers, everyone can get 10,000 as long as you meet the income requirements of individuals and uh, into, well, sorry, individuals making 125000 or less a year, and then 250 k for married couples and head of households, which I always think is cool because head of households usually get shafted. Um, so they fall under the married couples for this. But the income had to qualify in 2020 or 2021. So during the two years of the pandemic, your 2022 AGI, which we're recording this in 2022, and the loan forgiveness was announced in 2022, um, that doesn't count. It has to be your income income from 2020 or 2021 has to meet those criteria. So everyone gets 10,000. However, if you got a federal Pell Grant when you went to college way back when, um, you qualify for up to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness. So federal Pell Grants are for borrowers that come from a lower income, middle, lower income family. And again, if you don't realize or remember if you got a federal Pell Grant, well, you could go to that My Aid on studentaid.gov that we talked about and your history of any grants, including federal Pell Grants are listed there. So you can see if you really just don't remember what happened in your freshman year of you know college at this point in time. <laughs> of course we don't. Right? <laughs> exactly, I love that. So, okay, so we've got the difference between the 10,000 and the 20,000. So I wanna talk about some of these dates coming up. We're in October 22, right now as we're recording this. Um, and I read that there's going to be some sort of online form available. That was what I read according to the federal government, but the details are still a bit sketchy as to whether this is actually the formal application or not. So what do we need to know about whatever this online form is that's supposed to happen this month? Yes. So um, you... I, well, I'll tell you that, you know, some people will automatically get their loan forgiveness and some people will have to apply for their forgiveness. About 
8 million or so borrowers will automatically get the loan forgiveness because the Department of Education already has all your data and they know you qualify. However, I'm telling everyone, I don't care if you think you're going to get automatic loan forgiveness or don't think you're going to get automatic loan forgiveness, cover your bases and you got to go and fill out the application. So the application will be released on studentaid.gov. They're allegedly saying it's going to happen by the end of October. However, a lot of lawsuits and stuff are challenging this and it kind of keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. So it will show up on studentaid.gov. It should be a very simple application. They just showed some screenshots of it the day before we're recording this. So I was checking it out. I mean, it's like your name, your social. Um, you self-attest that you qualify on your income under penalty of perjury and going to prison for five years. But all you got to do is say that you, yes, I, I qualify. Um, and they will select random people for income verification, but like you don't have to necessarily provide your income verification. You're just attesting you qualify. And then that form is all on online. It's very quick. It's very easy. It's on mobile as well. And if you want to be alerted to when it comes out and it's ready to go, again, you go to studentaid.gov and there is a like mailing list form that you can sign up for. It's right on the homepage. It says like, alert me when the one-time loan forgiveness application is ready and you can sign up with your email and stuff. And then you'll get an email when the form is ready. So whether or not you automatically qualify, I'm just telling everyone, fill out the form, literally cover your bases. <laughs> like there's no reason yeah, not to. <laughs> I like that. Exactly right. There is no reason not to. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are 
to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Um, yeah, and and just probably like a little asterisk PSA to everyone listening as your big sister, if you will, like make sure when you're filling out that application, you check that little box about penalty and perjury. Just make sure that your numbers are within that range. <laughs> I don't want anyone to be one of those unlucky people where they pull your income and it's not correct. So, you know, just 
just do your best to kind of follow the rules here. Totally. And remember, it is for 2020 or 2021. So, you know, you have two different years that you can use to qualify. So maybe you didn't qualify in one year, but you did in the other. You only have to qualify in one of them. So keep that in mind. Maybe dust off those old tax returns. Um, make sure, <laughs> double check that. Okay, so let's say we, we're elated, we get the 10000 or $20,000. So tell us a little bit about taxes, because I know that's another hot button subject. Uh, you know, will this amount be taxed? Will it not be taxed? What do we need to know? So these student loan forgiveness programs, and I'll put an asterisk that no student loan forgiveness programs are currently taxable on the federal level through December 31st of 2025. So another few years, all student loan forgiveness is federally tax-free. However, um, some states will tax your loan forgiveness, and it really does vary by the states. I want to say there's like seven to nine states as of recording this podcast that currently will tax your loan forgiveness as canceled debt. And so basically, if you get $10,000, your $10,000 just gets added to your adjusted gross income, and now you're paying taxes on an extra ten grand. So, you know, depending on your state tax rate, it could be an extra $500, $800, kind of depends on what tax bracket you're in on your state. Um, so be aware of that. You will have to report this and it could be taxable. However, there's also three months left in the year and some states are aggressively like going to pass some laws. So I can see that list dwindling down over the next few months. Uh, at least a few more states get knocked off of it because they will pass the laws to conform um, with the tax law. But you definitely need to be aware. And, and this applies to actually all loan forgiveness programs. So public service loan forgiveness as well. Um, it's currently only taxable in one state in Mississippi as of today. Um, but all the other different types of loan forgiveness programs also could be state taxable. Um, every state, you know, they come up with some funky rules and that's just how these <laughs> states roll, right? <laughs> right. I picture them kind of like sitting around like, no, eh, let's, let's try this. <laughs> and it, it's a mess. Like some are like, I'm going to conform on this one and not that one. Like we're going to conform on disability discharge, but not on this one or only disability discharge. If you were a veteran, not if you weren't a veteran, like, it's like, what's going on here? Like, why do you make these rules so complicated? So I, I would imagine that probably nobody would make this decision, but let's just pretend somebody does. Let's say somebody says, I actually don't want the student loan forgiveness. Like, is this something you can actually opt out of? Yes, you can definitely opt out of it. So again, you have to fill out that application on studentaid.gov and you're basically filling it out in the reverse order. So you fill it out and there's going to be a box there that says, I opt out of receiving the student loan forgiveness. And the reason they're offering that is to avoid these lawsuits. So people are suing them that says like, well, you're going to increase my tax burden and, you know, these different states that will tax me on this loan forgiveness. And like, that's not, you know, allowed. And so the government's like, well, hey, we can make that pretty easy for you. Like here, you can opt out if you don't want it. So um, it is an option for you if you're concerned about that. Interesting. I didn't even know that was possible. So I'm glad we I'm glad we touched on that. <laughs> you know, I was also thinking, Robert, there are probably a lot of people the last couple of years while there was the student loan payment freeze during COVID that actually were making payments, maybe they even paid off their student loans. So what happens to those people who actually paid off their student loan during this time period? Well, um, I, I wish you didn't. 
but you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first off, we can tell you some good news. So uh, the CARES Act that paused all student loans also allows for refunds of any payments you made while student loans were paused. So if you paid down your student loans but didn't pay them off, Let's start with that scenario. So you paid them down, you made these extra payments, and you got yourself below the $10,000 threshold. Well, when Biden's student loan forgiveness goes through, they'll refund that amount and then forgive it. So you should get some money back for that. So that's cool, right? So like if you if you had like an $8,000 balance, right, and you paid some of that down they'll they'll refund just that amount correct they'll give you that refund to like the two thousand bucks and that will get credited back off to you um you can also call manually to your loan servicer and you can request it now which again i recommend everyone does i just don't trust the government to automate these things they're supposed to but you can always call and ask for your refund if you paid off your student loan during the pandemic. And this is things too, like let's just say you refinanced your student loan during the pandemic. So another lender paid off your federal loan. Like you can call and get your loan reinstated, which is kind of cool. But this one, you actually have to call your lender and you have to say like, hey, I paid off $10,000 during the pause. Um, I need my loan reinstated and they'll refund you the the $10,000 and then they'll make your loan active again. And then, you know, if you qualify for Biden's loan forgiveness, boom, you'll, you'll get your loan forgiveness. But again, if you paid it off, you have to call. So call your loan servicer and you can get those payments refunded for you. Again, this only applies to direct student loans that were paused during the pandemic. It doesn't apply to FFEL loans or other loans that were not paused. So tell me a little bit, you kind of referenced this about, I, I wish you wouldn't have paid them off. You know, there is a a definite mindset around student loans. We've already talked about it some. Uh, there's a mindset around, you know, I just want to pay off all my student loans before I start investing. Nobody knows exactly what to do. There's a lot of advice out there. So tell me a little bit about just kind of generally speaking, like, the mindset around our student loans going forward. Definitely. So you have to take student loan debt and put it in its own category of debt. So student loan debts need to be treated very differently than credit card debt, car loans, and mortgages. Like those other kinds of debts, it probably makes sense. And especially with like consumer debt, credit card debt, auto loans, pay those things off. Like get them out of your life. Student loan debt is so different. And it's so different because of all the options that come with student loan debt, all the flexibility, the fact that the government takes care of this, and the fact that you can get loan forgiveness, that it needs to be treated so differently that you should you know, basically not be making extra payments. So first off, if your loans are ever paused with no interest and no payments, please never make a payment on your loan to the government. Again, going back to like what we ver- we started this whole conversation with is never give the government any extra money that you that they don't deserve. Well, they paused your loans, they put your interest at zero, like don't give them any extra money. Um, we actually did a little math um, for, you know, kicks, right? Because that's what we do on personal finance websites is we said, well, if you didn't pay your loans and you would have taken your monthly payment of say $300 and invested it, which would have been better? How much would you have paid off your loan debt or how much would it be worth in the stock market? And you would have been $7,000 richer in just two years if you had just taken the money that you would have paid towards your loan on your monthly payment and invested it. So again, don't, don't just don't pay extra if you don't have to ever. 
<laughs> but I'll give, you, I'll give you another framework, though, that you should keep in yeah, mind. If you're, if you're going for any type of loan forgiveness, right? Public service loan forgiveness, income-driven repayment loan forgiveness, teacher loan forgiveness. Again, don't pay any extra on it because you want to maximize the amount of loan forgiveness you get. It doesn't make sense to pay extra. But part two is like, how do you know, like whether I should aggressively pay off my student loans because like, I'm not going to get loan forgiveness or not. And so my good rule of thumb is if your salary is more than your student loan debt, you're probably going to want to start paying them off aggressively. However, if your salary is less than the balance of your student loan debt, you probably want to pay as little as possible because you'll probably be able to maximize the loan forgiveness you're going to get. So, so tell me, yeah, d- dive a little bit deeper into that. Like, tell me the the kind of like rationale behind it. Yeah. So let's just say that you make, let's keep it easy. Let's say you make $50,000 a year. If your loan balance is say $30,000 a year, you're probably never going to make it to like the 10 year mark of getting public service loan forgiveness and things like that, because your monthly payments under even income driven repayment um, will pay off your loan balance before you qualify for any type of loan forgiveness. Okay. So if, you're, if that's the case, like you should probably just figure out how I can aggressively pay off my student loans. But if you're on the inverse, right? So if you make $50,000 a year, but my loan balance is say $80,000, right? Uh, your monthly payment is probably gonna be very low um, on income-driven repayment, and you probably will you know, benefit from not making extra payments on your loans. You'll probably benefit from you know, paying as small amount as possible and maximizing your student loan forgiveness as a result. When it comes to financial advice, you gotta trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. 
They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. That's a really great way to think about it. I love diving into the rationale a little bit because <laughs> I think it's fun to kind of really understand these different perspectives, especially about about student loans. So I know you mentioned this a couple of times. I know there are a lot of cases pending, legal cases pending around this, but you know, what do you see or do you see any other maybe twists or turns in this timeline of forgiveness? Or do you think we're kind of on the on the track right now where this is going to happen by by the end of this year, by the end of 2022? You know, I'm at like still 70% likely that loan forgiveness will go through, but there is a good 30% chance that, you know, things do not work out like we hope. So right now, as of recording this, I think there's like five or six different lawsuits challenging it. There are a lot of reasons why they're challenging it. Um, and every kind of court filing, the Biden administration is kind of pushing off when they say that the first people would even be eligible for loan forgiveness. So right now they're saying that even in the best case scenario, people wouldn't get loan forgiveness until the end of October. But like every court filing seems to push it back another week, another week, another week. <clears throat> the problem with all the legal stuff is who has the standing to sue to say they were um, harmed by the loan forgiveness? So right now there's like state attorney generals. They're saying that they're going to be harmed and stuff. But like, you know, a lot of those like, you know, people are kind of iffy. Like, I don't know if they're really actually being harmed. And so there's a lot of like iffiness on it. I will tell you that there is one group of people that is 100% harmed and they totally have standing. And that is Congress. So I'll be frank in that, you know, Biden really is overstepping his power in the law. And, you know, kind of all the interpretations of it, even their own rationale kind of like admits that like, yeah, you know, we're taking what you said and we're kind of saying it means this, which is like a lot more than what it means. And uh, so it's really iffy if he's even, you know, has the power to do this. Right. But at the same time, you need someone that's legally able to challenge them. And so the only people that can legally challenge them, like probably is Congress. But in order for Congress to pass a lawsuit, they have to pass a, a majority vote in Congress to pass that lawsuit, right? So either House can do it, the House or the Senate, but you need 51% of the votes. And so I think there's also this approach right now where, um, you know, the Republican Party is kind of saying, well, if I can get enough injunctions and I can delay this until January, well, if we win the midterm elections, well, we can totally block this 100 percent because then we can sue, then we'll win. And, you know, it, it will end this whole thing. So the real question, which you see the Biden administration saying like, hey, we're trying to get people forgiven by the end of the year right? <laughs> because okay. they're trying to be like, well, you know, if the ball's already rolling and people are getting their loan forgiveness, it's kind of hard to put the cat back in the bag kind of thing. And, 
you know, so th- that's where we stand. I'm still 70% likely that things will go through and people will get their loan forgiveness, but like, you know, there's still a good 30% chance that it, it doesn't happen. Well, I'm sure everyone that, that is eligible for it is, is here just like crossing everything, fingers, legs, arms. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think even if we look at the whole picture, it just for a lot of people I know that have written into the show, they've just said, you know, this, this feels like a gift that I'm, that I'm being given, or this helps my family in X way. And I think we could look at this from a million different perspectives and everybody again is going to have opinion on this, but I think, you know, it's really important to, to talk about this information and to just talk about, um, you know, just to talk about it in this way. I think it's it's super healthy to have debate on both sides and to, to look at this from kind of all different perspectives. So I, I'm wondering, is is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on? Anything else that's like super important and timely that we need to really be aware of? Yeah, I think a few, just a couple, a couple of things to keep in mind. So one, if everything does go through like it um, is supposed to, um, you know, the administration is saying it's going to take about six to eight weeks to get your loan forgiveness. So let's just say, you know, theoretically, you get your application in on like November 1st. Well, hopefully you get your loans forgiven by the end of the year. I will say though, like, like everything else we're seeing with like student loan servicing and processing, like I'd hold my breath a little bit, you know, and on that timeline, (laughs) like, you know, things do seem to be taking a little longer. I will also say that, um, you know, one of the cool things they're doing is re-amortizing the loans if you still have a remaining balance. So what that means is let's just say you get your $10,000 and uh, your loan isn't forgiven, like you still have a balance left. Well, your future monthly payments on that will be recalculated based on your new balance. So that's nice, right? So let's just say it cuts your loan balance in half. Let's say you only qualify for the 10,000 and now you have $10,000 left. Like your monthly payments could get cut in half once payments restart in the new year. So again, that's a really cool benefit. Um, I'll also remind people that one of the, the best programs that's kind of underrated, but it's like tangential to this is the Fresh Start program. So let's say that you uh, you still have a loan balance after this and you've been in default or delinquency on your student loans before the pandemic. Well, once payments resume, as long as you get back on a payment plan, your delinquencies and default will be removed from your credit report which is huge. So it has the nice. potential to pull out about seven or eight million borrowers and really help them get their credit back on track um, from past issues they might have had with their student loans. So that's another huge benefit that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but I think has the power to really benefit a lot of people. So now, now is the time for us to just really, you know, all of these different changes for us to kind of like plug back into our student loans, right? If we've been like closing our eyes to them for years. Yeah, because they, you know, they're supposed to restart on January 1st, as of right now, when we're recording this, they haven't been, if they don't get pushed back again, student loan payments should restart on January 1st, 2023. And so, you know, there's a lot of moving parts right now. There's like the the, the blanket one-time loan forgiveness, there's public service waiver, and then of course, payments restarting. And so you got to really start you know, I know it's like the holidays, but you got to start thinking about your student loans again. There's one con that I think a lot of people need to keep in mind. And um, the fact is that let's just say you get your $10,000 or $20,000 forgiven. Um, 
the data says that it's not going to really change people's monthly budgets. So I know it seems like a big relief to a lot of people, but most of the people that qualify for this have not been paying on their student loans for a variety of reasons. The pandemic, they were on an income-driven repayment plan and their payments might have been as low as $0 a month, things like that. So, you know, I think uh, people... While it's nice to see those that number just kind of like disappear off your personal balance sheet, like that debt's gone, I want to temper people's expectations of how much it's going to change your own monthly budget and like what that's going to feel like when it's gone. Because um, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that it, it doesn't actually change the math of their income and expenses every single month. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, as we're closing out 2022, we're looking forward to a new year kind of on on that, that thought path. Obviously, we hope the economy improves. Maybe we hope that we don't go into a fuller long recession. But everyone here, everyone listening for sure has felt the pinch their with their wallets this year, especially so many things are just more expensive gas, groceries, everything. So you cover so much over on your site, the college investor. Just kind of summation here is, as we sum up to move a little bit away from student loans, maybe talk about money for, for a minute here in general. Do you have any just kind of closing money tips for us as we end this year and kind of roll into 2023? Yeah, I mean, my number one money tip, it, it relates to student loans, but everything is just get organized. There's so much going on right now, but like the best thing you can do is know what you make, know what you spend, know what you own and know what you owe. And whether you like to do that with an app or a spreadsheet or a piece of paper, like figure out your own style because that's key. Like you need to do it in your own way. Just because like I'm a tech guy doesn't mean that, you know, that's going to work for you. Like figure out your own style, but get organized with your money. There's no way to make an educated and informed decision about what to do next if you're not like, you know, laid out and organized about what's going on today. Well, okay. That was a lot to digest. I get it if student loans still feel scary to you, but that's why there are people like Robert here to help you sort it all out and hopefully help you feel a bit less anxious, scared, and fearful of the whole thing. If you want to learn more about all the changes coming up and how to get your money in shape, you can head over to Robert's super informative site, thecollegeinvestor.com, or find him at The College Investor on any social site. If you enjoyed this episode, I gave you your marching orders in the beginning. Text this to all your friends ASAP so they know all of this super timely information as well. You can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as our amazing sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at CelebratingGreatMinds.org.